0: i I like to think of it as it's what's in your sexual shadow
1: welcome back intimates thanks for your support on patreon making this 2021 season possible this podcast is about all things intimate relationships love connection community consensual non-monogamy kink orgies lovers and of course good old-fashioned sex I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my host, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. If you've ever had jealousy terrorize you or your relationship, you share a common pain with many, many individuals. Jealousy informs us. It teaches us things about ourselves and the situation, and possibly not always the lessons that you've historically taken from it. If you could go back in time though, what would you change, and what would be different for you now, processing those experiences as the person you are today? Content warning for the word vlogger that comes up in the context of kink if you aren't aware why there's a content warning here it's a racialized thing it's worth googling and now join me as i explore jealousy intimacy compersion and lots lots more with dr jolie hamilton you can check out her tedx talk or visit her website at joliehamilton.com very excited for today's session and to share it with you so let's hear now from dr hamilton herself on intimate interactions Welcome, everyone, to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Dr. Jolie Hamilton, the relationship coach and research psychologist, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, and ASEC-certified sex educator. Jolie also co-hosts the the project relationship podcast with her anchor partner, Ken. Uh, Jolie has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, NPR, The Atlantic. And now you can add my podcast to that list of publications somehow.
0: Yes, I can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Jolie. It's lovely to have you on the show.
0: Oh, it's great to be here. I love talking to people about intimacy and connections. Fantastic.
1: That makes two of us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the self-knowledge and, uh, I suppose, awareness that can come from the experience of jealousy and the mm. positives that jealousy can bring into your life.
0: Yay! Oh, we almost never talk about these.
1: Like I'm, the funny thing is I'm so immediately down to like launch into my thoughts on it. And I'm like, no, you are, you are not the doctor here, Victor. You need to be (laughs) quiet and listen. Um, But yeah, like increased intimacy is the first one that jumps out to me. And and the trust that you get from just knowing that, you know, you can, that you can trust someone to hold the knowledge that you're experiencing jealousy or, you know what I mean? Actually, why don't I let you talk about it again? You're the doctor.
0: Well, this you're you're starting off in a great spot because one of the things that shows up for most people who are experiencing jealousy is they first have to reconcile: is it okay to feel jealousy? Mm-hmm. And if if they can't, if if they have a core level, it's not okay. The thing is, they'll never even say the word jealousy. Um, I've worked with people who have sought me out because they hear stuff I say and they know that I'm the right person to work with. I'm like, yup and they still can't bring themselves to say, I'm struggling with jealousy. I've really? worked with people for a whole year before they can say, oh, that's jealousy. Even though they're describing to me things like monitoring their partner's social media, um, checking their partner's phone, wow. snooping in their partner's email, or just like being racked with somatic symptoms, symptoms in their body of, feeling fear of abandonment like they're they're twisted up in knots they're frightened they they're desperately hoping that their partner will quote unquote behave you know like and tr- and be there for them they're mm-hmm. feeling all of these things but naming it jealousy that's right. hard for a lot of people yeah and we when we can't name it yeah we can't even get there so before we can increase the intimacy with other and build trust with other First, I need to create a sense of trust and intimacy with myself and say, it's okay. It's okay that you're feeling this. This feeling is not an inherent judgment of you. It, there's nothing wrong with feeling it. And I think most of us cognitively understand that there's nothing wrong with feeling our feelings. But that doesn't mean your body got the message. It doesn't mean <laughs> your heart got the message. <laughs> when you say increasing intimacy, I'm like, Absolutely. So let's all allow ourselves to acknowledge when we're feeling jealousy without trying to do anything about it at first. Just if we don't try to take an action first, we've got the opportunity to let the jealousy start to inform us about what's going on Mm -hmm. without layering all that judgment on it, without saying, oh my God, something has to change because I'm feeling jealous. Mm -hmm. Because it might be that all that's going on is your jealousy is like, hey, uh, you got some stuff in your past? Um, <laughs> I don't know whether you remember, but uh, your mom wasn't there sometimes. Uh, it's time to work on that. It could be an invitation. And your partner could join you in that, You in turning curiosity by holding space for your jealousy, by acknowledging that even though you don't want it to be there, that it's there. They could, and yeah, then you get this increased intimacy, the, you get an opportunity to be vulnerable and then to ask for what you need. You also have the chance to learn where your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. A, jealousy invites us to reflect on, Hey, um, is what's going on. Okay. A, a story that I heard recently is this. Um, I was talking to someone whose partner was consistently being caught te- sexting other people. They're married, they're monogamous. Mm-hmm. This was definitely outside their relationship agreements. Um, first, the implicit ones, but then after it had happened once or twice, the explicit ones. Mm-hmm. And it kept happening. The, the opportunity to reflect on, um, yeah, so this is actually a boundary for me. I need to claim it as a boundary and once she did claim this as a boundary and say this is this does not work for me this is actually a deal breaker for our relationship structure to exist the way it does i don't want Mm -hmm. to be your monogamous partner if this is how we're going to do things from there they could negotiate a relationship that works better for both of them but she had to be something had to happen because she's not a natural boundary setter and i'm not sure any of us really are i don't know
1: (laughs) I'm, I'm certainly But she really not.
0: struggled with it. Yeah. And the, the, the heaviness, this person, <coughs> excuse me, this person described their jealousy as feeling like their, their intestines and stomach were twisting into knots. That's mm-hmm. a big invitation to learn how to set boundaries the more she practiced setting those boundaries, then she was able to move into honoring her own boundaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) and saying, oh, yeah, so I've set this boundary. Now, how do I hold it? What happens? Because what she found, what this person discovered was she was actually undermining having her boundaries honored because she would make excuses for her partner every Mm -hmm. time something came up and was a, a boundary violation. And while, you know, obviously I wanted her partner to take that seriously. I also wanted her to see where she wasn't even getting to the spot where he could be held accountable. Right. It, 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 but she was cutting that off way before by taking responsibility and trying to own all of it and they weren't actually getting anywhere. They were just going around in circles and this is why they this sexting cycle had happened six or seven times already.
1: That's really it rough.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound good, but the but the upside of you know a, a bunch of jealousy work later and owning like oh this is jealousy and the jealousy doesn't mean that I'm weak it doesn't mean that I'm bad. The action my partner taking is is setting off a jealousy response. Now what am I going to do? And now he had to decide what's he going to do. Mm-hmm. And in his case, he needed to do some deep work to get clear on why. In fact, what he what he found after a bunch of a bunch of uh,
1: Therapy. coaching was
0: that he uh, <laughs> yeah he was very aware that he was getting off on the fact that it was a boundary violation
1: interesting
0: it wasn't actually a sexting he didn't want another relationship he, he just wanted to push buttons to do he was defiant mm-hmm. or you know and and that goes back you know we would dig ba- way back into his childhood and say like oh yep, yeah, yeah he's he's pushing back and for me, because I'm a Jungian psychologist, I would say, "Yep, sounds like a big old mother complex coming up, and that's fine. We can work with that once we can see it."
1: Well, and there's there's so many consensual ways to channel that in that oh, like yeah. attachment injury into really fun sex. So mm-hmm. it's really surprising to me that we don't have better like education around sex and relationship in our society.
0: Totally, I know. I, I mean, if you're an intimacy educator, you know, um, we could do a lot with this. <laughs> I th- <laughs> you just named though another big benefit, an upside, a plus side. In my original um, study, I found a third of the participants um, found jealousy to be arousing, exciting, erotic. They liked it. Um, and those people had experimented with jealousy mm-hmm. in some pretty thoughtful ways over the course of their relationship. And essentially had come to find that oh I have a bit of a kink at if you know that's a way to 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 talk about it mm-hmm. I Have a bit of a kink about being jealous cool how do I want to act that out in ways that are healthy and don't actually harm me um, you know don't expose me to harm but do let me play with this eroticism around jealousy mm-hmm. and there are a lot of creative ways to do that as long as you can name it and say oh I want to play with jealousy cool Sure. Um,
1: Especially for people who really enjoy when their partner is jealous of them because it helps them feel, you know, like wanted, wanted. desired, loved, pursued, whatever the specific vocabulary they choose is.
0: Right. So you're naming, that's one position on the triangle, right? So you got that jealousy triangle. So one person might want to feel the jealousy pointed at them. And in fact, those people frequently will do things to try to inspire jealousy, (laughs) uh, which is what I thought was going to happen in that whole sexting Mm -hmm. thing. I thought it was that and. The core of it really didn't seem to be that. You really wanted to mess with the system because as soon as we stopped the sexting, something else popped up. Of course. So, <laughs> um, well, as it will. As it does. <laughs> but the but then the other position, the person who's experiencing the jealousy and is experience, literally experiencing the fear of abandonment, the fear that their relationship is going to be interrupted, some of us get off on that. Some of us like it. It's hard to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's... And yet that's what kink's all about, taking something that's perverse, right, to the the typical mainstream idea of what is normal and wantable and saying, yeah, to that, that's sexy, bring it.
1: Mm -hmm. It,
0: And there are lots of ways to consensually arrange for these things to happen. Mm -hmm. And it can be really fun. But we got to get consensual about it.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm trying to think of what I wanted to ask Um, I'm again very absorbed as soon as you started talking about kink I was like oh this is my wheelhouse you know I've been in this in the local scene for you know more than 10 years now like it's um, we start talking about consensual non-consent and like role play talking about jealousy Um, yeah absolutely for people who enjoy that exchange of feeling like they really want something and then they're able to get those needs met or serviced in some fashion um, that the fantasy of, of conquering or triumph, um, as I'm sure nobody suspects, is buried deep within the, the man-socialized psyche. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, th- these things exist and we can play with them is all I'm saying consensually. Right.
0: There's the thing. Just if we if we allow ourselves to acknowledge that something is interesting to us. But when it comes to something like jealousy. So I think, you know, we get... We get presented a particular image of kink that involves, you know, some, some leather, some floggers, you know, like um, a person whispering somebody's ear. And if you're outside of the community, if you're not actually contained in a a group of people or context that allows you to really dive into it, that Mm -hmm. might be what you think. You might think that's kink, but in fact, kink is, (laughs) it's, I, I like to think of it as it's what's in your sexual shadow. So... And what's just outside the bounds of what you can hold consciously as normal and, and healthy and stuff. What's out there in the shadow? It's the stuff you don't quite want to look at and it's just in your peripherals and you find it erotic. Mm-hmm. And some people are conflicted about it. They find it both erotic and wrong. And the conflict is where the play is. Some people just find it erotic. They don't feel a lot of conflict. They just want to play with it. But the the reason I use the term sexual shadow is um, if you just think about your shadow as being all the stuff you can't see directly, Mm -hmm. you're always going to have one. And there's always room for it. Jealousy fits in there for a lot of us because we were told to shove it out of our consciousness. We were taught to share our toys, to share our siblings, um, to share with our siblings, to share in school. We were taught that. And so jealousy is... It's set up for us as something that's wrong. So then if you do have a little bit of provocative, like, oh, you know what? That actually tingles a little bit. I think I want to play there. Mm -hmm. We might be dealing with deep conflict at that point. And I I happen to like the kink space for dealing with those places where we are deeply conflicted.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about um, compersion. I know it's kind of crappy to try and shove it into the end of one episode instead of doing a whole episode on it. But let's talk a little bit, since we've been talking about positives of jealousy, a little bit about compersion. Firstly, how do you define it in the literature?
0: So I define compersion very simply as feeling joy for another's joy, whether that joy has anything to do with you or not. Mm. I, I do not hold to the idea that compersion is something that's only for um, non-monogamous circles. And the reason I don't is because compersion is incredibly, um, rooted. Like it has the, the, the base emotion that we're feeling this antonym of jealousy, which by the way, just because it's opposite, doesn't mean we can't feel them at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the basic idea behind it, this idea of, um, sympathetic joy is found in mudita, um, an ancient Buddhist word for sympathetic joy, the idea that we can, we can feel joy for another person's joy and compersion is it's it's held up as an ideal so is interesting because it is a great thing it feels good you know like you've all felt it if you've just been happy for another person's happiness right that's not that hard to imagine you know you're happy for um, a partner getting something that you don't even want you're like oh yay they're happy they get a promotion Uh, at work right or you watch a little kid playing with a balloon you're like i don't need that balloon but man that kid looks happy and that's (laughs) fun or anytime I ever watch a dog eat a puppuccino I'm like very into that that's that's awesome I don't need the puppuccino I'm good so it's easy to feel compersion in those circumstances and in when it comes to relationships though a lot of times we don't have a way to foster compersion because it gets imagined as needing to be opposite of jealousy people often will they'll say can't you transform your jealousy into compersion can't you stop being jealous and just be compersive? I think that's where we uh, the wheels come off right yeah. it, jealousy is not the raw material of compersion it's it's just not mm-hmm. um, compersion is about joy and it's it's about describing a certain kind of joy a certain place where you might experience joy it's you might not, not feel any jealousy at all. You might be in a situation where you're feeling very secure, very well, your needs are well met, your boundaries are being held, and you just feel a lot of compersion or mm-hmm. um, compersion candy. Yay!
1: Compersion but, candy.
0: Yeah, but you might also be incredibly jealous. You might be wrestling with the fact that you're, you're feeling a lot of fear. And you might be looking and saying, okay, my boundaries are being held I'm being reassured and this jealousy is present. Mm-hmm. And that's the opportunity to invite, to open just a little space and say, and what else am I feeling at the same time? Right. Can I also open space for my partner's joy to be joyful? And that's all Compersion's asking of us. It's You don't have to transform your jealousy into Compersion. You can simply allow a little space for Compersion to come and then see if you can foster it, nurture it, see if you can actively fan the flames of it because it just feels better than jealousy so great
1: absolutely um
0: where i see people get stuck on that though i'll just say this is often in groups especially i'll hear people say that like can't you just transform your jealousy into compersion mm-hmm. and that's i i think of that as weaponizing compersion actually yeah I agree. it's not not helpful so that's a place where i think by and large, like we we as a group, we could just remind ourselves, like let's let's take that down a notch and treat them as two separate phenomenon that are happening, and work with them separately.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think the reason people get them conflated is that the same situations that for some produce a sense of compersion can for others produce that fear of having their relationship and love interrupted. That that sense of jealousy.
0: That's a brilliant way to put it. It really is. It. It is that same situation. And that's where we see couples come into conflict. Um, In particular, I find couples who are just opening up. This is my specialty. My wheelhouse is helping people who are in a couple. And they have a lot to lose because they really love what they've got and they want to open. And so they're trying to figure out how to untangle some stuff. And one of them, like, (laughs) it's just natural that you'd deal with jealousy in different ways and you would feel things differently. One of them is going to feel jealousy differently than the other and so we get into this sort of war about what causes jealousy and whether something is jealousy inducing or not right and we start judging whether someone should be jealous or compulsive especially our partner and it's just unproductive but on top of that we we start again demonizing jealousy making it seem like it's always a bad thing when in fact jealousy is a good thing it just told you that you care about this relationship great Now let's figure out what the action is you want to take. And let's increase the intimacy. Like you said at the beginning, let's circle back to increasing intimacy by creating a conversation where we can be vulnerable with our partner, be witnessed in our jealousy, be held, Mm -hmm. and that is remarkably healing.
1: Dr. Jolie Hamilton from the Project Relationship Podcast, thank you so much for being with us today on Intimate Interactions.
0: Thanks for having me, Victor.
1: So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash intimate Victor or tweet me at intimate Victor or follow my Instagram. You guessed it at intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show, keep going head to patreon.com slash Victor We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes, or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie Number 1 by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well.